Hey, Justin here with Stay at Home Dads Podcast, a place I talk about a lot of dad stuff, guy stuff, I don't know, relationships, fitness, you know the story. So anyways, thank you for being here with me today. I really do appreciate it. Now, I was kind of thinking maybe last week's show wasn't really the true 50th show because the week prior to last week, I had posted a, a classic repost episode, I guess. So technically, today would really be the 50th episode. So I guess I'll uh, just do another cheers again for today. So uh, I'm not drinking alcohol. I'm recording this in the morning. So I'll cheers with my coffee. So cheers. But like I always say, I really do enjoy doing this. I enjoy talking about stuff that I think is important and possibly helping fellow dads or fellow parents out there. And I enjoy seeing the analytics and seeing people listening from all over the country. Hell, even some other countries. It's uh, it's pretty cool. And yes, I need more guests. I know that. I'm trying to get there. I don't think I am the best interviewer or talker on the fly, so to speak. But it'll come. So... Stay tuned for more people and differing opinions. Get on that stat. By the way, is this daylight savings, spring forward shit, totally discombobulating your body as well as your life, or is it just me? I am just, I find myself really dragging this week, and my kids are dragging as well. It was kind of easier back before when they didn't have school or schedules, hard set schedules to deal with. You just let them sleep whenever, and that's it. But now here I am waking my 7-year-old up at 6.30, which used to be 5.30, and she doesn't want to move. She turns off her alarm, and she rolls over and goes back to bed. So, yes, it is kind of tough, kind of irritating, but uh, I guess we'll have to deal. Do you know why we even have daylight savings time? Well, I will tell you, according to Google... It's all about conserving energy, and it was first proposed by Benny Franklin, and he stated doing so proved uh, considerable savings in candle usage. So that's an interesting fun fact there. But the U.S. didn't adopt it until 1918 during World War I in order to, you guessed it, save energy. I think there's always talks around this time of year to ditch daylight savings or keep it. I'm always kind of confused on what one we want, but people have to wake up early and they get pissed about it and then they complain. And there are even reports, I guess, I think I saw it on the news or I read it somewhere that heart attacks are up, strokes are up, and even car accidents are up due to the daylight savings clock change. It throws everybody totally out of whack. But there is hope if you just can't take it you can move to Hawaii or Arizona because those are the only two states that don't participate in this practice. Oh, this just in too. I just heard on Barstool Sports Instagram page that the Senate just passed a bill unanimously that would make daylight savings time permanent. So if the House passes it, it will be implemented in 2023. So there you go. Maybe there is some light at the end of this tunnel. All right, so let's get into a little On This Day today, March 18th. What do we got? Um, Well, On This Day in 1925 was the most violent tornado in U.S. history called the Tri-State Tornado. It hit Missouri, 
It hit here in Indiana, and it went through Illinois as well, killing more than 600 people. So that's uh, some crazy stuff. The article I'm reading here says it was an F5 tornado, 300-mile-per-hour winds. Tornado was a mile wide. And this was back when there were no real alerts to warn people about tornadoes. And I guess even the word tornado was banned from being used in U.S. weather forecast to prevent panic. Jesus, that's, I don't know, that's crazy. Let's just ban other words too, like the word heart attack because it scares people or high cholesterol because we don't want to worry the public, right? Stupid. We actually had a bad storm roll through here recently, a couple weeks ago. Kind of odd for March too, because it's, you know, usually cold out. But I guess there were some evidence of spinning clouds with the hook, I guess, like tornadoes do. And of course it happened around two in the morning. So our phones blast with that ear shattering alert, as well as the neighborhood siren going off like crazy, waking us all up from a dead sleep, warning us to take shelter from this tornado. So what do you do? You know, I mean, you wake up, you're all out of sorts. Do you go wake the kids up and drag them out of bed and and go to the basement? Or do you roll the dice and go back to bed? Well, you know the answer. We grab the kids, go to the basement for a while, and, and that was pretty much the end of it. There was no real tornado touchdown, just the formation in the clouds. But, you know, better safe than sorry. But now come all the questions from the kids. What's going on? Is a tornado going to smash our house? Are we safe here? And this has actually continued in the weeks after this tornado whole warning thing. My four-year-old Kennedy asked me every night now when I put her to bed to make sure I check the alerts on my phone in case there's a tornado. So, yes, a lot of tornado talk in my house lately. All right, what else we got? On this day in 1990, two men pulled off what's considered the biggest art heist in modern day history. These guys stole 13 pieces of artwork, including paintings from Rembrandt and Vermeer, from the Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston. Am I saying that right? And actually, none of it was even recovered. So they actually pretended to be cops. They bamboozled these two security guards at one in the morning, then proceeded to steal artwork for over an hour. They took $500 million in today's money in artwork. Some one-of-one pieces, really rare stuff, but they also left the most expensive piece in the museum totally untouched. This painting, I guess, called uh, By Titans, The Rape of Europa. I, I don't know art, so I have no idea what that is, but I guess they left the most expensive piece there. And actually, there's a Netflix doc about this heist called This is Robbery, the World's Biggest Art Heist. So... Kind of interesting. I might have to go check that out on Netflix. There was actually a $10 million reward, and there's theories about if the on-duty guards were involved or if there was an involvement with organized crime. So it's kind of a mystery. I don't know. Pretty cool stuff. This whole Fun Fact Friday thing is uh, kind of enlightening, I guess. All right, so the meat and potatoes I wanted to kind of get into today was something that we all do or... We all want, maybe we don't even realize it, but it just happens when we are trying to make decisions, choices, complain about things even, jobs, relationships, opinions, and that's validation. It's something that we all grow up with as kids. We do something good and we get that pat on the back. We get that validation from our parents or teachers or peers. So it's really ingrained in us from an early age. 
And I think it's good to validate things with the kids. I think that's a that's very a very positive. That's a very good thing to do. Good things and bad things validate certain feelings they're having. And I I kind of try to do this myself. I don't know if I'm doing it correctly, but when one of my kids gets upset or angry, I try to really understand where they're coming from or understand their thought process. And I tell them that I know how this or that makes them feel. And then I also ask them what they think they could do to change whatever it may be that made them feel that way. Or if they're pissed because they didn't get to go to a park that day or have ice cream or something like that, I let them know that I know what they want and I hear them, but here's reasons A, B, and C as to why we can't do those things today and we have to do those things maybe at a different time. So I try to kind of explain it and break it down that way and not just say, because I said so, you know. I hope this makes sense, kind of rambling here, but that's how I use it anyways. Now, I actually intended to talk about validation today with adults, how all of us seem to have this need for it or want it in some way. So I will try to get into that a minute, but I've actually been investigating this topic a little bit, and I came across this article, and I'll link it in the description so you can check it out, but it's called Validation, the Parenting Tool that Helps Kids Learn Emotion Regulation Skills. Now, I'm just going to go over this article kind of in depth. I read it once. I don't really want to read it word for word, but it's got a lot of information here that I kind of just want to relay to you. So it starts off asking, what is validation? Well, it's the recognition or affirmation that a person or their feelings or their opinions are valid and worthwhile. It's when we put ourselves in someone else's shoes, so to speak, to understand what they are kind of going through or experiencing or feeling. The article says validating our kids' feelings does not mean that we necessarily agree with their actions they take or the feelings that they have. It just lets the child know that we understand those feelings and it's okay for them to have them. They go on and state that by us validating the emotional experiences of our children, we help them learn to handle big emotions that often lead to meltdowns and conflict with the family. And helping kids learn to self-regulate is one of the most important parenting tasks. A child's ability to regulate emotions affects relationships with family and peers, academic achievement, long-term mental health, and future success. So it's, I guess it's a much more important than what I thought. So this article goes on and says, now how does validating our kids actually help? Well, it de-escalates emotionally charged situations. When a child is validated, they experience a reduction in the intensity of their emotions and it allows them to use problem solving to get through a difficult situation. It also helps them develop frustration tolerance. Many kids get frustrated when working in difficult tasks. I think we can all relate to this as parents. My seven-year-old Olivia, she gets easily frustrated when she can't do something as easily as she thinks she can with gymnastics or basketball or even playing some game. When she doesn't get that instant gratification, she gets pretty pissed. And I try to talk her through it and let her know that I have struggled with similar things like that, but maybe I'm not really doing it correctly. Maybe, maybe I could learn something from this article as well. I think I can. I actually just had an interaction with her yesterday and I tried to let her know that I understood how she felt, but it really didn't seem to work. She was playing my wife's old Nintendo DS, kind of introducing her to Mario Brothers, you know, and I had showed her the basics. Here's how you jump and here's how you move and and stepping on the bad guys, stuff like that. Well, she played it for a while, and she seemed like she was doing okay, but then she kept failing. 
at some level or something. And she kept doing failing over and over and over again, and she wasn't really changing her strategy. And then this flood of emotion came in, and she got really, really upset because she couldn't do it. And I tried to calm her down, and I tried to handle it like I said earlier, but it really wasn't working. And I actually just ended up having to take the device away and tell her that she needed to calm down and gather herself and move on. And I, I don't necessarily think that's the right angle, I guess. But my attempted validation wasn't working, so I don't know. But I also remember playing games like that as a kid. I would get so pissed and frustrated that I would want to throw the remote. I think, I think you can relate with that. You probably did that as a child as well. Playing something, playing the Nintendo, and you keep dying and you just want to chuck that remote at the TV, right? I think we've all felt that. So is this kind of normal behavior for a kid that age? I don't know. I mean, I, I went through that. She's going through that. Maybe, maybe it's normal. I don't know. But this brings me to the next bullet point of this article, which we will just touch on real quick. And like I said, uh, I'm just kind of going through this article. I'm just regurgitating what it said. If you don't like that, I apologize. But anyways, it goes on to say how we inadvertently invalidate our kids. And I know I probably do this quite often and I don't even realize it. A lot of the things my girls get upset about are honestly kind of ridiculous to me as an adult. But when we step in and casually dismiss whatever they're mad or sad about, saying it's not that big a deal or just calm down like I did earlier, or there's no reason to act like that, do any of those sayings or slogans sound familiar to you? I'm guilty, so don't worry. If you're guilty too, it's fine. But I guess when we say those things, we make our kids feel judged or rejected for having those emotional experiences, which I can totally understand that, I guess. They go on to say when a child is told their own internal emotional experience is wrong again and again over and over, it makes them feel more out of control and less trusting of their own internal experiences. Like they're living a lie. And that can have a lasting negative impact and has the potential to damage relationships. Parents also have the tendency to go right into fix mode as well, to rid the kid of the difficult or hard feelings because it sucks when we see our kids in distress, right? I mean, we can all agree with that. They say validation isn't always about fixing problems. It's about allowing the child to sit with their emotion and acknowledge it. So, I don't know, something there. But also, sometimes us as parents, we don't have time for shit, though. Let's be honest. We... We want, to, we want to sit down and explain things and let our kids work through their emotional issue. But there are a lot of times when we have a lot of other moving parts to our daily lives. Jobs, errands, sporting events, activities for kids, getting kids to school, getting things done, cooking dinner. There may not be that literal time to let our kids sit and cope through certain situations. So, I mean, that's just part of parenting. We can't, we can't always coddle and, and, and make a safe space and stuff. Sometimes we just got to get shit done. We got to move on here. So this article does make me feel kind of bad, though, for certain instances where maybe I have been too hard on my kids for not understanding enough or dismissing their emotions. Just like the damn Nintendo. I don't feel great about that situation. So let's go ahead and wrap this article up. Uh, How in the hell can we do better and not turn our kids into emotionless serial killers or zombies or something? Well, we can try to validate our kids anytime there is a strong emotional reaction to a situation. Just being present with them 
shows that we support them and their emotions aren't too big for us to handle. Just being there and listening, like like really listening, no distractions, no phones. Phones are a big deal. You've heard me talk about it before. And just hear what your child is telling you. Us staying calm is also a big point, they say. It shows them that if we can do it, then they can do it as well. And then reflecting back on thoughts and feelings is another way. Talking about the situation, like what I should have done more with my daughter in the whole Nintendo thing, and then say something like, you must have been really disappointed or frustrated that you couldn't do that game. And they say it's also okay to be wrong with what we thought our kid was feeling. It still shows that we are trying to understand. This article is all written by a psychologist, Margaret. She says another way to validate is to normalize their feelings. This helps kids know that they aren't alone and that other kids feel the same way, that it's, it's normal to feel this way. She also says to validate feelings even if we don't agree with the reaction, to try to ignore the behavior and focus on the emotion. Once they calm down, praise their coping skills. And the last one she mentions here is don't forget for us as parents to model positive coping skills. Kids learn a lot by watching us. Kids learn a lot by watching their parents. I mean, it's really evident. And if we don't deal with emotions well, then they're probably not going to deal with them well either. She says it's good for us to voice our emotions and deal with them in the right way. This will help kids develop emotion regulation skills. They see us dealing with emotions, talking about our emotions, and they see how we cope with our emotions, and that helps them with their emotions. And yes, some of this stuff to me does sound a little... Oh, emotions are delicate, they're a little flower, we must be careful not to do anything wrong or we'll damage them forever type stuff. It just sounds a little fragile, safe spacey to me. And I don't know, maybe that's just how I grew up. I imagine that's how a lot of people grew up. I don't really remember getting emotional talks and talks about feelings when I was a kid. I'm not saying they didn't happen, I just don't remember them. So maybe that's why this sounds kind of foreign to me. But my daughter does get very emotional about certain things. I've noticed this. I've talked about it a few episodes ago, actually. And I want to do better with her. I want to validate her and validate her feelings and help her get through those things so she knows how to deal with her feelings and emotions in a better way on her own, right? By the way, the psychologist that wrote this article, her full name is Margaret Arizaga. And the article was from ManhattanPsychologyGroup.com. I will link it in the description, like I said, so you can read through it. And sorry again for just blurbing out an article, but there's a lot of interesting stuff here. So hopefully there were some good tips for you that may help you with dealing with emotion with your kid. I know I'm probably going to reread this article and really kind of try to take it in and do better in the future. I want my kids to, honestly, I want my kids to be able to talk to me and express how they feel. And I don't want them to feel like I dismiss their feelings all the time, which, yeah, like I said, I'm guilty of doing that. So I'll see you the next time that frustrations spill over on the Nintendo, maybe. Hopefully I'll be better equipped to handle that. And actually today, too, I wanted to mainly get into validation with us as adults. Maybe the way that we crave it too much with social media and likes and hearts and comments on posts or getting that validation on big decisions we make, but I kind of got sidetracked on this uh, kid topic. So I was actually talking about validation with a friend of mine the other day, and they have another friend that is dealing with some relationship drama, some emotional infidelity, married yet emotionally connecting with someone else. 
Not a unique situation. I think this happens quite often. People don't see or appreciate what's right in front of them, their spouse in this matter, and then they drift. And before they realize it, their own marriage is suffering. They've placed their spouse on the back burner and they're totally invested in this other emotional connection. Man, that could actually be a whole different episode, so maybe I'll talk about that later. Well, anyways, the reason I bring that story up is these people express their situations to others, not just that situation, but many situations, work or whatever, and they're wanting input. They want to know what to do. Like, do I stay with my spouse or do I go off with this other emotionally connected person? Well, they already know what they want to do, but they just want that validation that they are doing what other people think they should do. I don't know. Does that, does that kind of make sense? And if you disagree with them, they get upset with you, but they ask for your opinion. They ask for your validation. Anyways, maybe I'll just tease that a little bit and I'll talk about that maybe in the weeks to come. I've got a few personal experiences with it that I really want to get into, but that'll have to wait because I think I'm pretty much out of time here. At least anyways, I think. Anyways, thank you for listening to Stay at Home Dad's podcast. I really hope that this episode was enlightening. I hope I read off, right? I did a lot of reading today. Hope I read off a few tips or pointers that may help you with your own family. So let me know. Send me a message on podbean.com or through my social media. It's all linked in the description. Let me know what experiences you may have had with dealing with emotions and your kids. Also, maybe drop a little review wherever you're listening from. That would be great. It always helps me out. And like always, you can grab this podcast on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Google Podcast, as well as Spotify, and sometimes even YouTube. It gets tossed up on YouTube every now and then. So, all right, take care of yourselves out there, and I will talk to you next week. Bye.